0: Hey, this is Dali, and you're listening to the Fear the Sword podcast. Hey, we're back here. This is the bottom, a Fear the Sword podcast. I am Chris Manning. Joining me today, as always, David Zavok, my co-host, also from Fear the Sword.
1: David, what's going on, man? Not much. Just uh, ready to get, you know, the week going. It's... we're in a very, um,
0: as we talked about on the last on part one of this, we're in a very interesting place with this Cavs team, Um, we talked a little bit about the rookies, but let's just, we're going to spend this show just talking about those guys, because I think they're going to be how we um, really judge the summer, I think how they and Beeline turn out, and those are probably related answers, will really shape what we think of the the 2019 Cavs summer, and, and where it sort of leads them. We really only saw Winler in summer league. I don't even think we learned a ton about him in that context. I don't know how much we really learn about guys in that context. Um, But, David, I'm going to let you pick. Just start with someone that you want to touch on and then give me your take on that player and and what you sort of think of them as we kind of embark on covering them um, as they play for the Cavs.
1: Um, I think, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. is somebody that, if you look at just his metrics – it's almost impossible to make like a case for him as like a good player. (laughs) Um, And yet I see lots of people that I respect that uh, really enjoy his talent and um, like some of the instincts they see from him. Um, And so that makes me want to be a little bit more Um, open-minded. They did spend kind of a lot of money to – uh, By the pick for him it sounds like they um, have been locked in on him for almost a year um, so even though he wasn't one of their first two picks um, he's somebody that they seem to uh, sort of believe in and be excited to have so um, I, I'm trying to be open minded about him even though uh, my gut is to be fairly skeptical
0: can you explain what you mean by the metrics? Like, what are the, th- the things you see in his in his numbers that you're like, okay, I I'm a little unsure about this guy. Uh,
1: can we do like a let me pull up his basketball reference? Yeah, I'll I will so cut that out. Just pause it yeah. when we to that or something. But um, yeah, I mean, like that's a that's a very fair question. Um, you know, he did shoot forty one percent from three last year but at the same time I see him shooting 52% from the free throw line. And, you know, on a small sample, uh, you know, the guy, you know, played, you know, two-thirds of his team's games. He played uh, 22 minutes per game. You know, that 41%, it looks good, but I don't know what kind of sample, you know, it, it really is. And, you know, if you are shooting 52% from the free throw line, it's going to be difficult for me to have a whole lot of faith in in your jumper. Um, And then, you know, if you watch, you know, if you go and and look at some of the highlights, you look at some of the video, it's not a really fluid uh, release. Um, You know, you're talking about more turnovers than assists. Um, You're talking about um, you know, four fouls per 40 minutes, um, which isn't like Outrageous or anything, but it it sort of indicates, you know, he's he's kind of gambling a little bit. Um, now he's 19 years old and you know has plenty of room to grow. Um, but you know, I don't really like the assist to turnover rate. I don't like the, the free throw percentage. I don't like the true shooting rate. Um, and you know, it, it's it also kind of gets to be one of those things where if you're like a really good player my guess is your coach who's trying to win basketball games would be really excited to play you. And so if you're playing 22 minutes a game, uh, you're not sort of a standout player um, at that point in time. Now, is there evidence of, you know, somebody like a, 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 you know, players that get into their second and third year of college and uh, make a leap? Yes. Um, but again, I'm just in, just in terms of just looking at the numbers as they exist uh they're not they're not fantastic
0: what intrigues me about him and like i don't want to like slight like darius garland by saying this but like what makes him maybe the the player that i'm just most fascinated by of this draft class is he is the type of player and pedigree that john beeline was not getting at michigan he is like the he was mr basketball in Washington senior high school okay he was um, a, top, like a four-, to, four or five-star recruit to in from, East, from East Pan and all the different places that rank high school of prospects. If he is like that, he's clearly very talented, clearly has like already some really interesting offensive moves in his repertoire, clearly has some refinement, clearly there's some stuff about like culture and stuff. And getting the best out of him and kind of relating to him that will be really interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I don't think he's, like, I think when he gets framed as, like, a problem, I don't know if that's fair, but I think clearly, like, stuff was a little off at USC for him last year. I think Beeline and how he relates to him and how Beeline can, like, coach him up and how this whole organization can get behind a guy like that in a way that he's clearly so talented and they're, like, they clearly really believe in him and I think there's good reason to do so. I just want to see how that plays out, and if the Cavs can make that type of thing a success story. Um, I think if, the, if, like, Beeline can make—like, if Bline's offense and then the coaching staff make him, like, a passable defender and, like, kind of make his offensive game a little more clean and maybe his shot gets adjusted a little bit, and he keeps some of this the athleticism that he really, really, like, looks like he has and some of the stuff that's really positive about him that I think makes him a really interesting prospect— like, I can't wait to see that in Beeline's system because the Cavs are, like, going to, like, theoretically, what Beeline does should make a guy like Kevin Porter Jr. more effective. Like, that is the point of John Beeline's to get a guy like Kevin Porter Jr. who's maybe slipped a little bit, you, you clearly believe in, has a lot of talent, and make him the best version of himself in his system because, like, he should just – the stuff he's good at is stuff that's going to pop up when Beeline runs his offense.
1: Well, and, I mean, go back to what we talked about on the last show. I mean – uh, if you are, uh, you know, looking at, okay, can John Beeline change the, um, you know, culture of the Cavs, look no further than what happens with Kevin Porter Jr. I mean, if if he buys in, if you're getting, um, you know, really, you know, if if he makes himself a rotation player or is okay with not being a rotation player, you um, If you're hearing assistant coaches rave about him, um, if you're hearing, you know, you know, Kobe Altman when he sits down with, uh, you know, Fred McLeod at halftime of a random December game and says, you know, you might not be seeing Kevin Porter Jr. on a daily basis, but you know, we're really excited about what he's doing, uh, you know, in practice. Um, You know, those would all be things that I would keep an eye out for, you know, keep your ears open for because. It would, be um, it would be extremely. It would be extremely. It would be. A, it would be a win because he is an athletic guy, and um, he probably will take some time uh, to to sort of figure things out at this level.
0: Would you be surprised if he spent time in the G League?
1: No, I mean i I'm all for it. Um, now, again, will he be all for it? Um, will. Beeline and Kobe Altman be able to sell him on it. Um, will he, you know, what sort of effort would he give when he went down there? Um, all of that is interesting. And so, uh, you know, when people say, you know, the team won't be better, but the team should be more fun, these are the sorts of things that, uh, you know, you're hoping for, you know, positive uh, outcomes, and you're you're hoping for, um, you're hoping for a player that buys in.
0: I think that's right, um, and I think when you think about him, I think he's probably for me, the the second. I think Garland's the most intriguing. I think he's number two, um, and I think he's clearly probably the. I, I, I don't know how to like properly like rate upside, but he's. Cl- I think he's clearly like ahead of Winler in terms of of upside. Um, let's just talk about Winler next because I think the conversation around him is probably just a little bit more succinct, and then we can just kind of talk about Garland because I think that's a more, that's harder to unravel. Um, I like Dylan Windler's like, what he should be. And I think that's a really useful player. Um, What he looks like on defense, to me, is sort of the key. And, like, can he defend, like, some smaller force? What is what is his, like, you know, his foot speed look like against, like, NBA wings who maybe are a little more athletic than him? Um, And, like, what does his three-point shot just sort of, like, end up kind of being on? Is he, like, a 40% guy or is he, like, a little bit lower than that? I think he's clearly very athletic. I think... Um, the guy has a lot of skill. I think he's clearly going to be willing to shoot deep three sort I of think is a really smart thing to just sort of have a guy come in and do that. I think he's probably going to get a chance to play at least some as a rookie. Um, I would probably guess just based on his development, cause he's a little bit older that he's probably maybe should just be brought on a little less slowly than someone like Kevin Porter jr. Um, I, just, I, I didn't know much about him coming in, but the more I've learned about him, the more I've kind of watched his pl- him play and sort of envisioned what he kind of should be. I don't know if like he was a great value at 23. I, I'm not smart enough to know that to say he is or he is not. But I like that kind of guy as a rotation piece in beeline system and just sort of where the NBA is at right now. Where
1: are you at on Windler? Yeah, like we, we talked about it, it's just sort of a recognition of the type of players that the Cavs need, right? Like even if he doesn't end up making it, they need guys that can shoot off the dribble, can shoot really in any <laughs> in any setting, right? Like, um, you know, hopefully he can get to a point where he's serviceable, you know, defending, and hopefully he has enough athleticism to get his shot off. Um, and, you know, it'll take him some time, like... Um, but uh, it's good that the Cavs recognize that they need players like that
0: what do you what, what do you think of him as a guy that's like clearly like okay if there was other like he, when you pick someone at that spot you used a first-round pick on him that it was like a guy who's so clearly offensive oriented it wasn't like picking um like a defensive prospect or like a like someone that like 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 T. stable or someone like that that was going to have more development on offense that they picked a guy who's like sort of the opposite of that just what do you just make of of that and kind of leaning into that considering whom else the caps took in this draft? now i not i don't even know if we know that if they thought they're going to get kevin porter jr you know at 30 when they made that pick i don't like think we know that but what do you just make of them leaning so heavily into the offense with you know like the second of their three first round picks
1: i mean i think they leaned into offense with all three picks um but they did it in different ways with each pick. So, um, they sort of covered all their bases. Um, we kind of talked about it last on, on, you know, but before, uh, each player that they took has some really interesting tools. They also sort of have some, some blind spots. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, not just in terms of the Cavs this season, but, um, but in terms of of their careers as well, um, you know, uh, can Darius Garland uh, does he have athleticism to break guys down off the dribble? Can he get, you know, to a level of defense like, you know, a Damian Lillard or even a Kyrie, where you know you're not good, but uh, a team can survive with you out there, um, you know? Uh, because we talked about, you know, and again, I'm not comparing him to Steph Curry, but you know. Steph Curry you know people have pretty serious questions about his defense too but on a night-to-night basis it's pretty much fine so um you know did the Cavs pick on him to death in 2016 yes um but you know on a night nightly basis he knows where to be and when and he's good enough so um each of the players have question marks uh and I think it'll be fun to see sort of where it goes but you're right I mean all three of them were our, our offensive-minded players, no doubt about it. All right, let's
0: let's wrap this up talking about Garland. Um, I think we he's the most important guy in this draft class. His fit with Colin Sexton is kind of the most unique thing. We need to kind of see what he looks like after about. It's going to be about a year away, just due to the meniscus surgery, and then maybe the other the other surgery he had, and just them bringing him along very slowly. I don't really care that we didn't see him in summer league, but a bit of a bummer, I guess. But when, what, for you, do you make of the Cavs, at least for now, um, saying, okay, our backward of the future is guys that are somewhat similar, certainly different, certainly going to come in, with come in, came into the league, obviously at different strengths, um, but about the same age, offensive-oriented guys. What do you just make of that being, like, the baseline
1: of sort of what they're building right now? Yeah, I mean, they have to hope there's enough playmaking combined – that it makes sense. Um, You know, I don't know. I've seen some people that are optimistic about uh, Garland's passing. Again, that's kind of another one where, um, you know, I don't know how you can look at the numbers and necessarily be excited about it. He seems to sort of get in the air when he's passing and get in no man's land. Um, But it was on such a a small sample, I, I think it's very difficult to to really come to any type of conclusion i think you you've done a great job reporting on you know things that you know his high school coaches have said you know they they believe in him as a passer so uh if he can do it and you know one of the other things that i hear you saying is the team is sort of cognizant of of sexton's limitations there and they do see him you know playing off ball and that sort of thing um And so, you know, if if their eyes wide open about it and they believe in Garland and they think they understand what um, what Colin Sexton is, go for it. What I will say that I think is the case for it is that I think if they went if they let's say
0: they both like work out to at least, let's say, 85 to 90 percent of their their ceilings, they're going to be different players. Like, I think Garland is going to be a little smoother, a little more... Um, I, you you said his name. I don't think, like, Garland's... It's not fair to, like, comp him to Curry. So I'm just not doing that. Like, don't at me and say, why well, are you comparing Garland to Steph Curry? But, like, that's the, the template of the game. It's, like, guy who's going to pull up from anywhere, guy who's going to be very smooth, creative, um, really really just have some real flair to his game in that way. Colin Sexton's going to be more of, like... Um, more of an aggressor. Like, he's going to be more of a guy who I think is going to drive to the lane quite a bit. Um, I think he's going to be... I, I would guess that he's going to have... The, the pull-up game is going to be a little more important for him, especially inside. Um, I think, like, there's a... An, and I think the the thing with him that I think is really interesting, and I'm going to pull this up as we're recording here, but I think what's the most important thing with Con Sexton and with with Garland is just how they're both going to work off-ball and what b offense sort of does for that. Kyle, were you like not like? I just want to emphasize this very clearly. Colin Sexton at the beginning of last year, literally drove like in from a wide open corner three, the easiest three point point shot on the floor, and took a mid range shot because that he was wide open on because he was just not comfortable taking that shot. But for the year, this is these are his numbers on three point shooting overall. He finishes the year in the regular season shooting forty point three percent on three pointers on three point five attempts per game. This is about evenly split between um, catch and shoots and pull ups. He on a one point seven three point catch and shoot threes per game. He's at forty four point three percent in a bad offense, in a bad everything. And then when you look at that post All Star break, um, he's forty one percent on pull ups and forty two percent point nine percent on catch and shoots, and he's taking five point five threes a game. So like over the course of the season. The, the amount of shots he took that were threes drastically increased. He, overall for the season, like, shot them pretty well and got more comfortable doing it, and especially got more comfortable doing it, like, where he didn't have to have the ball in his hand. Now, I don't know, like, the personalities of these two guys is really going to matter. How they mesh is really going to matter. um, You know, how you can make them work defensively is really going to matter. I think if Cavs fans want to, like, study best-case scenarios, I definitely think, like, trying to figure out how... Um, McCollum and Lillard defend and what Portland does and what Terry Stotts has designed is like going to be really, really interesting uh, to kind of see like how they make those two guys work and how they make up for like not neither of those guys being like a great defender. But I think it can work. And I think Beeline probably the right guy to try and do it with. And I think Colin Sexton's rookie year, as much as like we, there's some questions about it. His defense is atrocious. His decision making needs a lot of work. And like, it's not great that Garland doesn't come in as sort of like a more opposite in that way, I guess, from what we sort of expect of him. I think it's the, the, the shooting and the shooting without like having to create his own shot, I think is a really key part of this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, they have they have skills and uh, Colin Sexton played, you know, in a manner that I could not have been more negative about him early in the year, um, but he's he's played his way into you know I I think the optimism doesn't just exist because we're Cavs fans and we want to believe but there are legitimate reasons to believe that you know he can play and um I, I think it's sort of unreal how crazy the change in his shot selection was uh in just one year you know and uh, within a year Um, And so, you know, hopefully the staff that was already there that, you know, they can kind of, (laughs) I know there's a lot of turnover, but whatever happened, I hope that the people that led to that change, uh, you know, that message is still, you know, pushed and listened to. And uh, he continues uh, to take a much better shot selection because. Uh, It was night and day. I mean, he literally had one of the worst, you know, first 40 games that you could possibly have. And he finally put it together. So uh, and I shouldn't even say he finally put it together. He put it together very quickly, like and very early on. Um, And for somebody to have been as bad as he was to have like a fair amount of optimism that I don't think is just based on homerism, I think is pretty cool.
0: Colin saxon to his credit like works really really hard like that dude like i think loves basketball i think he's a gym rat i think that all the like the 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 cliches you come up with like kind of are true about him like i think that's just like part of what makes him really really um like interesting is just like that that's a guy who i believe is going to put in the work like i don't think there's questions about that guy's work ethic um I would say the other thing about—the other thing with Garland for me that I think will be really interesting is just, like, what his role is to start the year. The Cavs have a lot of guards, and, like, he's clearly more important than Clarkson and Deli and um, Brandon Knight moving forward. Like, he's clearly, like, a more important piece for this franchise the next five years than any of the guys who aren't expiring contracts. Even if, like, Deli comes back on, like, a shorter, inexpensive deal, like, Garland's a much more integral piece to what the Cavs are building, but, like, I don't – I wonder what the line is of, like, getting Jordan Clarkson minutes and shots um, and and finding the right pairings for, like, those guys and, like, whom, if anyone, is, like, left on the sidelines. Like, I don't think Gar- – Garland's obviously going to play. You don't draft a guy number five unless he's, like, hurt or, like, there's a Markov-Fultz situation, which, like, God forbid that happens. And then you don't play him otherwise. So, like, who doesn't play? What are the best ways to pair him? Like, the, all the numbers say that, like – all the numbers you can look at with Clarkson and Sexton indicate that, like, even though some of there's like some positive moments, that was like a the George, Colin Sexton's like worst two man pairing last year. Like, I don't think Clarkson's gonna help whomever he plays with. So, like, how do you make him work? Do you try to trade him before the season? Like, I don't know how that. That to me is probably the hardest thing John Beilein's gonna have to do is just finding the ways to like play them together in ways that make sense, play them separately, and whom do to play them with separately? to boost him and like, you know, which one of them gets to play with Kevin Love on a bench unit, right? Like which, like which one of them is like paired with Kevin Love where it's like Love, like Windler, um, like X, like, like Larry Nance coming off the bench and what, and like Thornwell or like Osmond or just like something like where there's like some bench pieces kind of lumped in there. Which one of them gets that bump that um, the other one doesn't like, I, that's going to be really fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. And I don't, really care as long as like some of those guys don't get extensions (laughs) like i'm fine to watch them you know struggle to figure it out uh you know for a year but if you know if they have a a somewhat lopsided roster because they're rebuilding and um they want cap space next year that's fine Uh, but if they start doubling down on some of these you know contracts That's when I think you have an issue or some problems.
0: Can I just say that, like, I would not like. I think Jordan Clarkson is more can be useful. I think like he actually is a very he's a very talented scorer, very skilled scorer when he gets the ball in his hands. Doesn't get to attack an ISO. I an extension for him in any way would be kind of really insane to me. Correct. Like, can we? Let's just stop. Let's just not do that. Um. Last thing, David, would you start Garland on day one? Would you like? Yeah. Would you just rip the Band-Aid off and go for it? I think I would too.
1: Yes, I just think he's. I mean, uh, unless you're not sure that he's healthy, or you know he is slow to come back when, because he hasn't played five on five for a while. But um, if he's ready to go and he has a full training camp and um, he's you know practicing hard, um, it's sink or swim, and he'll sink for a while, and that's okay. I. Th- I think you have to just start him. I think, like, there's no
0: reason not to. There's no reason to, for, like, that to even be, I think, a question. Um, I just Like, the, what's the point of, like, the Lang figuring what you have there, right? Like, maybe if it's – unless it's, like, a health thing and you have to have him, like, play 20 minutes a night for the first couple months to, like, bring him along, like, maybe that's okay. But, like, there's just going to be a point where, like – whether it's, like, because they move on from love and, like, they kind of completely reset or just, like, they just, there's, like, he's playing really well, like, at some point, I think you just have to do it. Um, like, maybe one of them becomes, like, a six-man in the future and that's, like, how this sort of works itself out. But, like, for me, I would rather just see them play together. Like, if if I was John Beline, my opening night starting five, and I feel just pretty sure about saying this, is, is probably Garland, Sexton, Jetty, Thompson, Kevin Love. Like, that's what I'm doing. It's not the most modern pairing. Um, you know, I think Jetty, it's asking a lot of Jetty to defend. And, you know, one of Tristan and Love could be in a particularly tough defensive situation against certain teams that play a little bit smaller. So maybe Thornwall gets started in some nights and then Thompson comes off the bench. Um, but I think that's what I would do. And I think it's that's like a pretty easy decision for me as I, as I think about this.
1: Yeah, I think. I would definitely play two bigs with, you know, either Tristan or Larry with Kevin Love. Um, that I, I would make that decision, but um, other than that, they can kind of figure it out how they want. Again, winning isn't really the goal; uh, development is. So um, you're just looking to to put together pieces that make sense. And the nice thing about Garland and at least you know what you can. Start to bank on a little bit is that both Garland and Sexton have shown that they have some shooting ability. You know, obviously Garland projects as a really good shooter, but um, you're getting more shooting out of the backcourt, um, you know, and that that helps. All right, so you can find
0: David on Twitter at David Zavok. I'm on Twitter at CWM uh, to Find follow through the sword on Facebook and Twitter at Fear the Sword. We're gonna be back. The plan is at least up until the lead up to the season Sundays. We're gonna Sunday night. You're gonna have a show for your Monday morning commute, and then you're gonna have a Thursday around Thursday show. Whether it's me and David like this week or um, whether it's me talking to someone or David talking to someone, we have a series planned out, um, and we'll have the the trevor magnani's podcast thick jack frames we'll be back covering the draft um, in the very important lead up to 2020 sometime in the fall him and i are kind of planning out our fearless Sword draft coverage but we're back fearless sword is getting revved up all again i'm very excited for the season to start um schedules out we'll talk about that maybe next week too um but david it feels good for us to to knock two of these out this weekend for us to kind of get back in the flow i'm i'm kind of ready for basketball i had a busy summer i know you had a very busy summer um, I'm enjoying getting to just watch some Premier League without other work going on right now, but I'm ready for basketball to be back. It's coming. It's coming. It's and that's enough. All right, we'll be back on Sunday. Thanks to David. Thanks to all of you for listening. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.